Coming up right now, the newest episode from Carr, Gwyn, and Ode on Three Pagans and a Cat. Social justice has always been very close to my heart. As someone who experiences the sacred in all things, it is incumbent upon me to honor that to the best of my ability. Injustice causes a rift in the fabric of being. It is part of my work as a spiritual person to try to mend that rift, to help reweave the fabric of love. Nothing is devoid of spirit, not the stove or pots at my local soup kitchen, not the ancient forests that require protection, not the family whose teen was killed for little reason other than he was black. I feel a connection to all of these. I must help to right the world. Welcome to Our Community, Bill L., the 18th episode of Three Pagans and a Cat. Our opening today is courtesy of T. Thorne Coyle, author and activist. You may call me Ode. And you may call me Carr. I'm Ode's father. Mary Meet. My name is Gwyn, Ode's mother. We're going to be doing something irregular. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> several, in fact, several, several things, things that are irregular. Right. Um, we're going to be talking about social justice in the pagan community. We're going to be doing an interview later in the episode with Bill L., hence the title of this episode. episode yep. Our community is going to be a series of interviews and profiles of people in the pagan community mm-hmm. who are doing important work. And yep. Bill L. is the president of... Uh, of Pagans in Need. Need. So yeah. we'll be we'll be talking to him later in the episode. But first, very first thing as always, we have a few new Patreons who That's get their right. names read Our, bec- because they paid for that. Our wonderful Patreons. <laughs> so we have one new kitten this month and whose we name love you. is not read. Because you didn't pay for that. But that's okay. We still we love, love you. We just don't say your name. <laughs> and we appreciate our kittens. Yes, yes. very much we so. We love and appreciate so. our kittens. So we have Cat Gary Bearstorm and Leopard Akaneko. Yeah. A leopard. A leopard. A leopard. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, so Akaneko is actually joined us here in the Discord today. That's yeah. right. <laughs> We're so glad you're here with us. Yep. Yep. So anybody hunter tier or up gets access to be able to listen to us live. Mm-hmm. And as Akaneko has found out, it can be quite an experience. Yeah, it can be quite an experience of uh, conundrums. Yeah. The, <laughs> the early stages of the podcast experience before it gets all the editing to sound nice and tidy and clean for. Y'all folks. Akaneko gets to know the behind the scenes. (laughs) (laughs) With that managerial stuff out of the way, (laughs) we can now get into the the actual episode. Yeah. Social justice has always been a big thing to me. Even when I was involved in, you know, the the Abrahamic religion I came from. Christendom. 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 I always felt like I should be involved in in helping people. And Mm. I don't think that happens a ton Although it seems like the ones who get the most publicity tend to be the ones in Christendom. So That's we're going to try to, in our little way of right. our tiny podcast, mm-hmm. start the solving of this. Because I think there's a lot of really cool things out there mm-hmm. um, that people have no clue about. Well, and, and and you don't have to go directly to a pagan thing. Right, right. I yeah. mean, you can join another group as a pagan. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. There are secular options out there if there's not a pagan thing in your mm-hmm. area. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you can go join a Christian org probably unless they make you sign a like a statement, which some of them will. Oh, some of them well, do. Uh, that's true. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. And that's why it's important to have these sort of pagan alternatives to those things or so just that, secular alternatives. Yeah, so that you don't so that you don't have to lie mm-hmm. and like sign your name to something, especially for those of us for for whom, you know, oh thing and making mm-hmm. promises and signing your name to something is a very like significant right and i think it's thing. important i think it's for, important for people to understand that 
compassion and social justice and helping other people is not just in the realm of Christendom. It it's is not, it's a, not a religious, human thing. Yeah, it's right. not a religious thing at all. No. It's compassion a human thing. for the other people reaching who out exist to help around the poor you. and T. Thorne Coyle said, because we're pagan, we have a, a higher obligation. We have a we higher, have obligation higher obligation to that. Yeah. And At least I really many do of believe us do. that. Yeah. yeah. I believe that as well. And, and that's gonna vary from, from tradition to tradition, yes. I suspect, how much that's your responsibility. Right. And what your specific responsibilities are. In heathenry, we have a, a strong obligation for hospitality. If someone needs something from me that I can give them and that it doesn't hurt me to help mm-hmm. them, I have an obligation to do that for that person. Right. Well, when we were at uh, Michigan Pagan Fest, Orion Foxwood, when I was in one of his classes, mm-hmm. he did say that as magic workers, we do have a responsibility as healers of not only the earth itself, but also of its inhabitants, whether mm-hmm. they're animal, wherever, vegetable, vegetable right. you know, <laughs> right. they have an obligation as, as magic workers yeah. to reach out and help those in need, whatever that means. Right. I mean, historically, that's what the village witch was for. Yep. Exactly. And we've gone back to Orion said <laughs> from our well, MPF episode. He has so. a lot of good things to say. So, you know, I think paganism as a whole is a very earth-based religion, it right? It is. Right. It is, yeah. So, and, and so you'll have a lot of people who are very focused on, like, help the trees, right, save yep, the earth. Ecology yep, and that ecology. kind of stuff. And I think that's... Mm-hmm. That, that's that's a, very important. Right. That's very important. It's, it's, a topic, very it's, it's honestly a thing that gets ignored by most of society. Right. I think that it's going to take us... Yeah. As a pagan community, maybe to bring that to the forefront. I mean, there's a few people out there who do that kind of a thing. But I, I think that it's it's something that we need to really focus on mm-hmm. is the ecology part of it. As well, a druid, I am deeply unsurprised that yeah. this is your opinion. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I also think it's just, you know, sometimes people think, oh, well, somebody else is taking care of that. Right. But if everybody goes, oh, somebody else is taking care of that, it don't get taken care now, of. Right. Now, there's an important point to be made here that I think sometimes is overlooked in these kind of discussions. Your individual contribution is not meaningless, but it is also not actually the problem. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You, your like individual carbon footprint is, yeah, probably bad, but what you in do... In the to, grand scheme of Exactly. Things. In the grand scheme of things, it's the corporate carbon footprints that are oh, the problem. Right. Yeah. And getting that stuff to change is a harder, bigger job right. that needs even more organization. And that's part of the reason it's important to sort of get hooked up with other people in your community and mm-hmm. find out what bigger steps you can take. Right. But what I, wa- what I want to, like, focus on right in this moment, if you're not perfect, that's okay. Exactly. Don't be ashamed of the changes you are making just because they're not the biggest, most important changes right. available. All changes are important. Mm -hmm. All things that we can do to help not only the earth, each other, our families, all of these things Mm -hmm. are important steps that we need to make. And sometimes just a small step is is a big thing, like for me. Right. I I smoke all natural cigarettes, but I still smoke. He still smokes, yeah. And it still has a filter on the end. Mm -hmm. And I have gone from flicking my filter Mm -hmm. everywhere around the world to making it a making, point. yeah making it making a point of getting the the hot ash off because it's at that point it's just tobacco it's going to burn mm-hmm. and then throwing the filter into the trash mm-hmm. yep. so that's a small thing on my part mm-hmm. but if everybody did that right mm-hmm. then we're it, at a we're it, at a better place up. we right. have at the very least cleaner sidewalks that's correct it. 
Like I said, I mean, ultimately, it's it's big corporate changes that need to happen yes. to, like, stop the sort of the trend. Even a lot of individual changes aren't going to stop the trend. Mm-hmm. But they will change your your individual community. Yes, yeah. Which is sort of all you can really focus on. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Humans are actually very, very small creatures. Mm-hmm. I know we feel like we're very, very big creatures, and that's because... Of consciousness, as far as I can tell. Like, we have big thoughts, and they don't necessarily fit in tiny bodies. So we think of ourselves as bigger and more important than we are. Because you're trapped in your own self, right. and it's it's impossible, functionally, for you to experience someone else's self. Mm-hmm. Much less the self of an aspen grove, or the planet. Mm-hmm. Right. I think we as humans tend to want to make big, dramatic changes. But the little changes you make on your scale mm-hmm. are still important They're because you live at your scale. Right. Yep. Yep. yep, exactly. And I will say, you know, changes do occur over time, even in big corporations. Yeah. Because, you know... Like, as, let's, as the sort of the public... Right. Let, the for outcry instance, happens. Yeah. 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 As the outcry happens. For instance, let me just say organic products. 20 years ago, you couldn't get the amount of vegetarian, vegan, and organic products in your regular grocery store that are now available. Now, those are not flawless because the demand has gone up for organic mm. stuff. The ethics of yes. organic stuff have, have, have dwindled. Have, have dwindled. Right. I, I understand that, but that's not my point. My point is that more and more people started market pressure. Market pressure yeah. Yeah. Started doing things to make them say the bigger corporations say, "Hey, this is something we need to pay right. attention right. to. Something is we should that, provide because it will make money." It's, it's is why that perfect. It's, it's, no, it's, but it does respond. It's why the big green coffee company has yeah. done away with plastic straws. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Good idea. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe not. We've talked. We, we've talked about this amongst ourselves that this maybe creates some accessibility issues for right. certain people. Yep. At least things are starting to slowly, very, very slowly, slowly move in the right direction. Mm-hmm. But eliminating plastic straws out of a landfill mm-hmm. on a corporate level like Starbucks mm-hmm. is a big deal. And if Starbucks does it. So it's not the big yeah, green company anymore. Um, <laughs> but if Starbucks does it, then maybe does McDonald's Big B, does, does Big it, B do it, or you know, you know like, yeah. Big B, which is our local coffee company mm-hmm. here, but has multiple locations. Right? Yeah, here. like they're they're it's regional. So right, like, yeah. and they're they're the competitor for that company here. Right. So if people see what what Starbucks is doing and say good, we approve, and right. start going to Starbucks, does Bigby say, okay, well, now we have to also blah. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's also, and, you know, we're talking about social justice today. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's not just things about, like, the environment, but it's like... Right, how, yeah, we're, we're going to be touching people, on many topics. Exactly, yep. like how people are treating one another. For mm-hmm. instance, the Me Too movement, which yeah. was originally that hashtag Me Too, that Me Too movement, it was actually started years ago. Mm-hmm. By a black woman. It just took a bit for but it to it catch on. But it took a bit for right. the... For somebody famous to pick it for up, For somebody basically. famous to pick it up and say, hey, this happened to me too. Women of all color are being harassed mm-hmm. right. by men in the workplace, in, in homes, and in all kinds of areas where people were not really... You know, people we, were conscious of it. conscious of it, but they just didn't really talk about it yeah. or make changes. But it took somebody really famous to pick that up 
and run with it. And now it's this right. huge thing. Right. So let's go through these in, I actually have an order. Okay. Okay. So. Car uh, likes structure. I do, like, do structure. like structure. The first one, oddly enough, is feminism, sexism, and gender. Yeah. Hey. That, so those that's, are big issues. Those are very big issues. The Me Too fits Re- into relevant that. Relevant to most of humanity. Yeah, really. It's, yeah, I, mean, I would think it's relevant to all of humanity, I mean, really. Sort of. I mean, there are asexuals who just aren't interested in sex. Yeah, but sexism but, but, still yeah, fits but in they there. Still, yeah, but they, they, still, they still experience a lot of and gender discrimination right, on yeah. the basis yeah. of... And in some cases, discrimination on the basis of being asexual. Like, right. I can't tell you how many times people get... You know, the, oh, well, is it pathological? You should go to a doctor. Have you tried right. taking blah? <laughs> yeah. Cherry Hill Seminary, and if you all are not familiar with Cherry Hill Seminary. I'm not. No. So Cherry <laughs> Hill Seminary, you would think the word seminary right? like Christian. Right, Christian. No, it's a pagan seminary. <gasps> That's its whole Gentry. thing. Yes. It's all online. I found out about Cherry Hill Seminary because when the stuff about Isaac came out. Isaac Bonowitz. Um, Isaac Bonowitz. From episode two for us, right, neo-paganism yeah. and sexual abuse. Right after we started the podcast, right. we were like, oh, good. <laughs> Jump feet first. The cool thing about it was that the ADF took... Mm-hmm. Oh, they took a course they, at... They actually went to Cherry Hill Seminary and said, hey, we need a course on... On ethics. On ethics, ethics and sexual and abuse. sexual and abuse and how to handle that. Mm-hmm. And then the ADF as a whole paid for all of their Grove leaders to take that class. It was a requirement. So if you were a Grove leader or you were clergy, you You had had to to take take this class. That's Um, excellent. That is excellent. First of all, excellent that Cherry Hill offers that kind of like specialized, relevant to this specific moment in time that they could offer. Yep. But also excellent that the ADF was like, hey, this is uh, necessary now. Right. Yeah. You don't get to be part of this unless you take the class. If you're interested in any of that kind of stuff, it's cherryhillseminary.org. Mm-hmm. And we'll include a link right. to that. Just assume we'll include links to all of these. But, like, they have a queer pagan theology crash course. Nice. Is one of their classes. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that really fits into that whole gender and mm-hmm. sexism. And These are questions that we need to be asking. These and are topics that are important. We've mm-hmm. touched on that briefly before. Mm-hmm. Yes, about have. if, as a queer person, go to an open ritual, sometimes there are questions, you, like, maybe uncomfortable or awkward questions. Or questions that the ritual leaders have never gotten before and don't know how to answer. Mm-hmm. Right. About, like, okay, well, what's going to be involved and can I participate? And, and they, so you just did that, right? We did. Yeah. Yesterday, right? Yep, yesterday so. we, were, we were at an open ritual at Arts and Craft. <laughs> <laughs> because that's where we go for Because, everything. of course, we were. That's where we do things. We were at an open ritual, and the last time I had been to an open ritual, there had been a gendered component I wasn't aware of that I didn't figure out until after the ritual, so I wanted to go ahead and ask yep. at the beginning this time whether there was going to be like a gendered component for the participants that I needed to be aware of. And there wasn't, so I was able to participate. But it was it was difficult just sort of to express the question in a way that, that I was sure I was being understood. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, because I think it's something that people haven't thought of before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They haven't considered the possibility that the way we consider gender now and mm-hmm. are moving toward is different from what the classic the classic <laughs> considerations of gender are. And many traditions, especially older traditions, mm-hmm. are still based... Have, have strongly gendered elements. Have strongly and, gendered yeah. duality elements within them. Yep. 
I think it brings an interesting perspective. Mm -hmm. And I thought, honestly, I thought the way that the ritual was handled yesterday that we were in, it actually, because they did have a god and a goddess representative, but... There was nothing for the participants. No, nothing for for the participants. Nothing where the gender of the participants was ever assumed at any point. No, but I guess what I'm saying is the main person who was kind of acting as a duality of the the two. Yeah, the ritual leader was kind of acting as a duality of the two combined into one. So for me, that worked out very well. Yeah, it was a, it was a very interesting ritual, mm-hmm. uh, and I enjoyed it a lot. It was just there was that awkward moment at the beginning, yeah, of having yeah. to be like, "How okay, do you well. explain this?" <laughs> right. So that it's understandable, but in, ultimately, I think she finally understood what you mm-hmm. were asking yeah. and was able to answer. So the next one is race and racism. Oh, <laughs> boy, one. the big one. Yeah. That's a big one. <laughs> If you've been in the pagan community for any length of time, you are probably familiar with the fact that there's a lot of, oh, what I'm going to call stealth racism happening. (laughs) More and less stealth, depending on which orgs you're a part of. And it comes from all sides. Mm -hmm. Right. It's not any one group or any one... uh, Although there are groups that are worse at it than others. There are. That is definitely true. But it is definitely, I think it's an underlying tension. And I think that's because you're dealing with human beings. I mean, yeah, there's people are complicated and as I've said before and will undoubtedly say again, trapped in themselves. So it's just hard to understand other people. And where they're coming from. Even even with like extremely high empathy. Mm Mm-hmm. You are only experiencing another person's emotions through the filter of, of yourself. your understanding. Right. Everything you experience, no matter what its source, comes through the filter of you. Mm-hmm. You never get someone else's pure, unfiltered experiences. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, I mean, you know, the old Which adage... Which means misunderstandings are inevitable. Exactly. Right. The old <laughs> adage of, you know, walk a mile in someone else's shoes, but still ultimately... It's you're you still doing the walking in the yeah. shoes. You're still walking. You're still trying to process it in a way that is understandable to you. Mm-hmm. It may open up channels of new thinking. Right. It's always valuable. Always valuable. To but, engage in empathy. But, but you will never have a pure experience of what someone else is feeling. Yep. So one group that I know that's doing some interesting stuff on the racism front mm-hmm. is Heathens United Against Racism. Yeah, there are two groups that sort of focus on this, actually. There's Heathens United Against Racism, mm-hmm. which is a like a separate organization Entity. of yep. its own. And then there's Heathens Against Hate, mm. which is, I think it was originally uh, a separate organization of its own, and then it was absorbed into the Troth. So it now functions under the Troth's sort of auspices. Okay. Mm-hmm. But both are, as I've mentioned before, heathenry's got just buckets and buckets and buckets of racism and white nationalism all tangled up in it because, right. yeah. I mean, there are multiple reasons, but the big one is that Nazi Germany was super into Old Norse and heathen occultism. Mm-hmm. And stole, stole a lot of the symbols. Stole, stole a, a bunch of, of symbols. Stole a bunch of ideology right. and misrepresented and misused it. And to this day, you will find what are usually, uh, if someone calls themselves an Odinist, that is a bad sign. And walk away. Walk away. <laughs> <laughs> an Odin's man is fine. Someone who is, who is devoted to Odin is fine. But an Odinist is generally racist neo-Nazi trash. And you should probably not give them the time of day. So one of the things, though, that I think we need to be conscious of in this race racism thing right. is mm-hmm. cultural appropriation. Yeah, mm-hmm. this is a complex it's, topic. It, it is. is a complex topic, definitely. Because oh, I think a lot of people don't 
think that what they're doing is appropriation. And uh, well, and there's also a lot of anxiety about cultural appropriation mm-hmm. to a point mm-hmm. that people accuse themselves and each other of, of appropriation that isn't that isn't appropriated. Right. Yeah. So you get these. There's a, there's just confusion about what appropriation is. I think. Let, let's take a for instance. Let's take a sugar skull. Okay. okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Sugar skulls have become. Hugely popular in the United States. Mm-hmm. Just in the secular sense. Just yeah. in, the, mm-hmm. in the secular the sense. Piece. Right. So you can go buy a sugar skull mm-hmm. at World Market. Mm-hmm. And you should not. It's a mass-produced POS. Yep. Because there's no thought, there's no yeah. thing given it to it. They're just, just, it's just trying to decorative. make a buck. It's, it's just well, like and, a... And ultimately, the company yeah. that's making it is trying to make a buck. Yeah, exactly. exactly. It yeah, has exactly. nothing to do with... No respect was involved in this process exactly. at any point. Exactly. Right. On the other hand, buying a sugar skull from right. somebody who was involved in that tradition because you like it, and they've put the thought well, and, into and, it. Uh, what I would say is, like, not even because you like it, but because you understand you its understand context, context, and you're context. going and you're going to yep. use it in that context. Exactly. And you you get it from a seasoned practitioner, or you make it yourself and you with an understanding the of the context, of right. and and having been trained by someone who knows what the fuck they're doing. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's the way to approach something like that. Appropriation is taking something that belongs to a specific culture out of its culture mm-hmm. and using it as your prop mm-hmm. or decorative item because you think it's pretty, not because you understand anything about it. Exactly. Okay, so I have a question then. Okay. So, athame. Right. Okay. You both want an athame, mm-hmm. correct? I mean, I want one of Paul's athames. I want right. one of Paul. So, in this case, you all want an arts and craft athame yes. because <laughs> Paul makes them. Yes. Mm-hmm. But you want them because why? So I, I know you said yesterday because they're pretty. It's pretty. And chances are, eventually, because this is somebody else brought this up in the conversation, she said, but if you really want one, even if right now because you think it's pretty and someone you know made it, don't you think you might eventually feel like drawn to use it in ritual or during spellcraft? I said, yeah, probably. Because I know what its purpose is and, and its intent is. I think even though I do want one on my altar because I think it's pretty, it will also represent fire on my altar. Okay. So here's the reason I want one of Paul's Athames. Okay. First off, I can feel mad energy off Exactly. <laughs> right. Skill, they, energy. They feel powerful. They do. Which is why I want one of these and not an Athame in general. Right. Mm-hmm. But for me, it is less that they are pretty and more... Th- so... Heathenry doesn't have a lot of tools, not because necessarily our ancestors didn't use them, but because we don't fucking know what they Mm. did. Right. Yep. Like, we have very limited information. So, Mm. and this is is one of those situations where, like, you have to sort of debate with yourself is that you have to be very careful about appropriation. Right. Because... That's why I asked this question. Yeah. Because this is really a British traditional witchcraft. Right. It is. It is. Heathenry doesn't have a lot of what we generally call spiritual technology left. Mm Mm-hmm we do have is very sparse and a lot of it we think has actually been fused with Finnish Sami shamanism from from the natives in Finland. And we think that happened back in the day because everybody lived together, basically. Mm-hmm. And the Norse were not averse to borrowing. So we don't have, like, there, there's not a strict delineation between mm-hmm. these things and a lot of what we do have is missing mm-hmm. and we have like the shadow of the thing mm-hmm. so we know something used to go here but we don't know what it was right so in trying to reconstruct heathenry and trying to reconstruct especially heathen magic traditions 
you have to go to sort of their nearest neighbors and ask them what they're doing. Right. And see if those tools fit in your toolkit. Mm-hmm. Okay. And it's important, like I said, it's important to do that in a constructive way, mm-hmm. understanding the context from which it comes, which is why I like taking classes with Paul, yep, finding out about Thelema and things mm-hmm. like that, finding mm-hmm. out, you know, where these things come from, what he's probably thinking about when he creates mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, like, I still need tools. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think also, I can admire the aesthetic, the prettiness of it mm-hmm. for me. I can admire the aesthetic. I can admire the craftsmanship of it. But I also understand the energy, the work, and the process behind it to appreciate it and want it as a part of my altar. Akaneko, who is in the chat, said, um, being interested in wearing a kimono Mm -hmm. and wearing a kimono, the general policy is to stay away from anything used sacredly, Mm -hmm. such as like a Native American headdress and feathers, where those have to be earned. Mm -hmm. Elsewise, get an actual kimono. Not something just being called a kimono. Exactly. Right. And that's that's part of that's the same context. Right. Context. Yep. That's right. respecting the context. Respect. That's respecting the origin of the thing. I think for me, the sort of the big takeaway is don't pull it out of its own culture. Right. Don't just take it out of its own culture and pretend that it was always yours. Mm-hmm. Acknowledge where it came from, because if it hadn't come from there, you would not have it. Exactly. And it's like when we went to Conjure Fest, and we talked about the difference between voodoo and hoodoo. Mm -hmm. Hoodoo is an African-American practice, a magical practice, whereas voodoo is an actual it's a, closed it's a religion. religion. Yeah, and it's, it's a, a closed religion. It is a closed personal religion where you have to, you know, not just individual, but you have to actually be my, invited into my understanding, the religion. My understanding of how voodoo initiation works, which I'm, this may not be true for every tradition, but what I've read, is that you have to go to a priest or mm-hmm. priestess and they will do divinations to see if the loi have called you at all right. before they even consider like actually initiating you, fact, which is then its own ex- extended process. Right. In fact, one of the vendors that when we went to Conjurefest, she actually went to Haiti, mm-hmm. had one of these voodoo priests. A they, reading. They, they did a reading and she was in fact initiated into Haitian voodoo and went through all the training yep. and things like that. And it, it is a religion and you do have to be invited to it. And I think, you know, you'll see people just say, oh, I'm going to be a voodoo priest right. or a voodoo priest. It does priestess. not work like that. That's not how it works. And right. that would be appropriation. Right. right. If you just came along and said, ooh, that's cool. I want to learn how to do voodoo or I want to be a voodoo priest. Mm-hmm. But you you were not initiated into the tradition. You were not brought in by a, a, a voodoo priest yeah. or priestess. Then you're you not are, part of the religion. You're not actually you part might, of the religion. You might worship the law, but you're not a voodoo. Exactly. And there is a difference, and I think that's where appropriation comes in as well. Hey, guess what? What? It's time for (laughs) reviews! And I've been looking forward to this one. Yeah. (laughs) You'll be delighted to know that we like this book. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And plus, I'm also going to talk about some products that we got at Conjurefest. So we are reviewing today mostly Forest Bathing Retreat by yep. Hannah Fries. Yep. Oh my goodness. Which is not out yet. No, no it, it comes out September. Yeah, it's relatively sub- yep. soon. Yep. But we got an advanced copy to review. Mm-hmm. 
And it's very cool. Oh, it's yeah. a stunning book. Yeah, it's definitely sort of a coffee table book. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful. It's got lots of photos. The copy we had obviously didn't have the like the complete full photo lineup. Yep. Mm-hmm. Either that, or they or they have not gotten they permission to use. Right. They <laughs> haven't. They haven't gotten the photo yep. the photo permissions yet. The stuff that's in there right now, the, the review copy we saw, is beautiful. And I can't imagine that the final book will be any less beautiful. Right. No. I think it'll actually be more. Probably. If nothing else. And yeah. I love the setup of this book because it basically it takes you on a walk through the woods. <laughs> yeah, I've, I described this to Gwen earlier as this is essentially the book form of a guided meditation. And it's gorgeous. Yeah, absolutely. It's intended, I think, to you know to get you to go out into the woods and use the this guided meditation mm-hmm. that is offered and the information because there's a lot of scientific information there's, offered as yeah, well. Yeah, there's some science. I mean, yeah. you know, blurbs. Yeah, but it is. You you know, you go out into the woods or into a forested area or to a tree mm-hmm. and experience that tree and experience mm-hmm. being in green space. And they forest call it bathing. forest bathing. Sitting right. with trees and sort right. of reconnecting with nature. Mm-hmm. And, and there's four different yeah. sections in this book. Mm-hmm. So there's the breathe section, the connect section, the heal section, and the give thanks. Mm-hmm. Each and one is so beautiful. Yeah, they really are. It's super well done. This I'm happy when we get a book that we're like, hey, we actually <laughs> yeah. like this one. And uh-huh. it's easy to read, right. this book. It's not going to take up like a huge amount of your no. day. Mm-mm. It's not even something I would read straight through, honestly. No. I nope. mean, I yeah. did because we were reviewing it. But mm-hmm. how I would probably approach this if I owned it is that I would keep it, like, somewhere that I saw it on a regular basis, and I would just, like, leaf through it. (laughs) You could make it. I would just just leaf through it and maybe open it to a random page and sort of see what the message was almost. It could easily be a daily meditation. Yeah. Even a weekly meditation. If Mm -hmm. you're feeling stressed after work, you need to kind of decompress decompress and disconnect from the stress of of the week. This would be a perfect opportunity. If you are in a suburb or you're Mm -hmm. in a place where you cannot get to green space... This will help. Where it's an ordeal to where get to green space. Where it's an ordeal space. to get to green space. Just looking at these photos and going through this guided meditation allows you to get that feeling. Mm-hmm. I think our recommendation on this book would be definitely a buy. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. So, Three Pagans and a Cat recommends this book. Yeah, absolutely. Thoroughly endorsed. And I believe we would say that you should buy the hard cover of, yeah. or the It's paperback. actually a soft cover. Yeah, the yeah, soft but, cover but version a, of it. Get a physical, not the Kindle. Yeah, yeah get, get a physical copy of the book. I would get a physical copy of the book. And keep it on a, a coffee table somewhere. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. This is definitely one of those books. It's yeah. not very long. Nope. Under 200 pages. Mm-hmm. But it's just a beautiful experience. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's a perfect way to put it. It is an experience. Yeah. It's a beautiful, enriching, almost revitalizing experience. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. So highly recommend. So yeah, strongly, that. strongly recommend that one. And then Gwen has some things she wants to review as well. Yes, when we were again at Conjure Fest, we got some products from Wild Crafters Den. Some of the things that we purchased from them were teas, which were blended and then sewn into individual tea bags mm-hmm. by you know sewn by hand. Yep. So we got a variety of different teas. We then were given. As, uh, in yeah, order- we bought some of this, and some of this was given to us to review. To, to review, just so people understand how this happens, <laughs> is that when we buy something, I usually give the proprietor a sticker and mm-hmm. say, "Hey, we're going to review this on our podcast, mm-hmm. just so you guys know." Right. And then this lady went, "Well, I can give <laughs> how's you all this other stuff." And so, so here are these things me- you should review. She gave us. 
Bath and Body things. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, I think there were some soaps and there was a mask that you can use on your face and all these different things that I've, throughout the week, I've been using different things. I've, I use the Prophecy Tea, which we were planning to do some divination last night. Yeah, so she drank the so Prophecy, I drank the prophecy tea. tea. And it knocked me the fuck out. Was so but she had apparently very vivid I dreams. I had very vivid dreams. So I recommend the Prophecy <laughs> Tea, but just be aware if you're anything like me, whatever's in it, because I don't know. Uh-huh. It did knock me out, but I, it was it was very, very good. So I only have two of those left, so they're going to be used very cautiously. Sparingly. Yeah. Sparingly. Yeah. Then she, we also got a headache tea, which I... Which we bought her out of. Which right. we bought her out of. And I used it today because I woke up with a headache. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It is a very effective tea. And I found that anytime you use an herbal concoction, it does take a little longer than like, say, taking ibuprofen. But it it was very effective. I would recommend if you do any kind of an herbal tea for headaches or something like that, make a larger amount and then kind of spread it out over, over a few hours over the day. But anyway, it worked really well. I got a candle that was meant to, that had been dedicated right. to the element of water and uh, with herbs and oils. So I've been burning that on my altar. And that really brought me very close to my element because I'm a Pisces. Mm-hmm. Weirdly enough, I don't work with water very Although often. she's always talking about working with water. But I'm always water. talking yeah. about working with water. And I love to go to water spaces, mm-hmm. experience that. So, but anyway, I highly recommend the products. Everything across the board. Wildcrafters, Dan is awesome. Yeah, is, yeah. What, is what I'm saying. Yep. She has we were, quality. We things. were super impressed just with the display. The right, display, yeah. her knowledge. Uh-huh. Yeah. She has excellent products. They're organic. They're high quality. And I highly recommend Wild Crafters Den. And you can mm-hmm. find her on Facebook. Yeah. Excellent. And oddly enough, we'll have a link to that. Yeah. Yep. So, <laughs> guess what? That's it for the review. What is with that face? He's making a wild face at us. He's doing that face. And I'm not sure why. I am not either. It's like, what is all up? Especially since you can't see it, microphone. So it's just for us, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's be honest. Everything I do is just for you guys. That's That's true. true. Yeah. (laughs) That went from being really awkward to like, so loving. (laughs) Nice save. Nice save. All right. Goodness gracious. All I right. also like the sustained note. I just had to throw that in there. <laughs> so that you got distracted by your face. <laughs> I have a face for radio. Next thing is mental health and illness. Oh, yes. yeah. That's a big topic. And I would throw disability into this as well. Mm-hmm. So whether that's general mental health issues, body image mm-hmm. issues, mood disorders... Spoony problems in general. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. But it's something that I think because they're not seen. Yeah. The mm-hmm. invisible ailments. Right. <laughs> that we tend to ignore them. Mm-hmm. Although recently. There's been some improvement. Done, we've done a little bit better about it. I think that it's definitely something. Here's what I thought was really cool. Like just in, in reference to all of this is the tarot deck we looked at yesterday. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I didn't look at it hardcore. Ode did. I did. Yeah. I um, looked at all the. I peeked over Ode's all the cards. <laughs> right. And so this was this is called the Numinous Tarot. Yeah. The Numinous Tarot deck. And there are cards in it like a, a lady in a wheelchair. Yeah, the, and the, the uh, Mystic of whatever the swords equivalent is, I believe. Right. So the the King of Swords card is a, a woman a black woman in a wheelchair. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's a it's a it's beautiful a card. I can't explain image. to you why it's appropriate because 
there's a lot going on, but it's a beautiful image, extremely powerful, mm -hmm. just super on point <laughs> for right. the meeting of the card. Right, yep. Exactly. I think, like, slowly including those kind of things mm -hmm. into paganism as a whole. Accessibility. Right. Accessibility. I guess you yep. might say, yeah. Is a good thing. Mm -hmm. So, I, but we need to do more. Right. I would love to see, I would love to see a tarot deck that included Braille. Mm. Yep. Oh, that yes. would be great. Oh my God. I have to assume that there are blind diviners out there who would like to use mm -hmm. tarot, but can't because it's a purely visual medium. A lot of divination tools yeah, are, are very purely visually, visual. purely visual. I mean, sometimes with objects. runes, there, there will be like an indentation that mm -hmm. you can trace with your fingertips yeah. and figure out what it but is. I do but I do have to believe that there are uh, visually impaired practitioners mm -hmm. out there who would like to have opportunities, or maybe they've come up with them on their own right, exactly, and created yeah. their own tools. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised, yeah, if, if people know, have made but their they own should, Braille. But those should have, they should but have I don't, access see, to those tools. See, the thing tools. is, it doesn't, it doesn't really cost you anything to no. just add Braille to a card. Right. I mean, I, I imagine it has some, like, mechanical cost. Mm -hmm. Like, you have to but, have a machine do the thing, I'm surely sure. But surely it would be something that could be, it should be It should be something that's possible. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, I want to think that there is, because Jack Mercer oh, yeah. is blind. Mm, he, right. does, he does and, runes. And he does runes. That's right. Yeah, I don't know so if he does tarot. I know that he can right, he can feel, feel the rune. The, the rune. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Like, we should talk to Jack and find yeah, out right, if like, they have a tarot. There a, is there a Braille tarot? Right. And if there's not. And if no, why? Right. Exactly. <laughs> mm -hmm. Exactly. Something to dive into. And mm -hmm. right. he was incredibly yeah. lucky. He was at Michigan Pagan Fest. Oh, my Fest, God, yeah. And he I, kept winning all of the stuff. I don't know if you call that <laughs> luck or if you call that magic. That's magic. That's magic. <laughs> Jack has a Midas touch. He does. He has a Midas touch. That was amazing. That'll he won, like, six things out of the he raffle. Did. Yeah, he yeah. did. It was amazing. It was crazy. They just started bringing the shit to him. Uh -huh. yeah. So he didn't have to just keep getting up. Uh -huh. <laughs> and then I think finally his companion finally won something, yeah. too. <laughs> oh, there is a special Braille yeah, edition a, oh, a of the Rider Waite tarot deck, but it's ridiculously expensive. Uh, probably because of the Braille process, my understanding is. No, probably just because of the blind tax. This is an actual thing that I've seen talked about. Braille products cost more than they need to because the blind people are a captive audience. That's stupid. Yeah, like, oh Braille doesn't actually... I mean, there, like I said, there's a mechanical cost to do right, the Braille. Right, you have to have sure. a machine do the thing. But... It's not, like, prohibitively expensive, or it doesn't need to be prohibitively mm. expensive. It's just that blind people can only get so many products, so they're gonna buy what you made, what, however much it costs. Yeah, so here's the difference. So, the regular Rider Waite deck is $18 US. Mm -hmm. The Braille version is 40 Jesus wow. fucking Christ. So, there's absolutely no yeah, that's, reason that's, for that. See, that's, that's bullshit trash. That's that's the blind tax. It's yeah. not. Yeah. It's nonsense. Yeah. Agreed. And also, although it's great that there's a Braille tarot, why can't we just add the Braille to all the decks? Yeah, no kidding. Why yeah. can't we just add the Braille for King of Swords? To, why can't we just make that a standard to just add that shit to mm -hmm. all the cards? Right. And mm -hmm. you could put it on the back of the card even so that you can yeah. feel it with, you know, with mm -hmm. your uh, with index finger. With your index finger your index and finger. display the face to the to the right. parents. Right, exactly, like, yeah. Mm -hmm. so, I mean, why don't be, we just... It would be easy to do it. We just don't. We just don't, yeah. Right. Dear Llewellyn, please start just adding Braille to all your freaking tarot cards. <laughs> and I like how don't, you charge extra, don't charge extra for it. Yeah, like, just make it part of the process. Like, it doesn't... It cannot possibly cost Here's that much more. Here's the deal. If the normal rider weight costs $18... Right. But I have to pay 25 because it happens to have Braille on it, mm -hmm. 
I'm cool with that if all of them are exactly. 25 bucks. Exactly, yeah. Just raise the cost for all tarot so that all it of them have Braille. Cost. Right, yep. That is perfectly, I like, I'm fine with that. Mm-hmm. Right. Absolutely. So when we finally do okay, our... Okay, we're on our little soapbox right now. So my rage, do my our, rage is up. <laughs> when we do our Lenormand deck... Yeah, we'll, we, we'll, we, we'll, we'll, we'll figure out we'll Braille. Figure exactly. that out. We'll, we'll yeah. have to get together with somebody who reads Braille. Right, yeah, and then and, have it... And figure out how to do that. Yeah, and we'll do it ourselves, so... We'll make sure our deck <laughs> has braille. Has braille on it. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that tangented a little, but but that's it's it's one of those things where like just accessibility isn't as hard as people make it seem. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. It's not that hard to add a ramp so that your place is wheelchair accessible. Mm-hmm. Right. It's not that hard to add braille so that your tarot cards are visually impaired accessible. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, like, it's just not as hard as you make it sound. You just don't want to. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's exactly And it. you know what? We're we're actually failing on this, mm-hmm. and I'm gonna I'm gonna make it a point to do to, to better because we don't put transcripts up of our episodes, which means that our episodes are not accessible if you're hearing impaired. So I'm that's sorry. Right. I apologize for that. I've been lazy. I'm gonna go back and make transcripts of all of our episodes, and I'm going to include them so that people who are hearing impaired can access our podcast. I apologize. That that was my bad. Since you're gonna jump on your soapbox, you had to. <laughs> yeah, yep, yep, exactly. Yep, like yep. that's the, that's the thing. You gotta own your own shit when you fuck right, up. Right. Right. <laughs> exactly. Yep. So it's now time for Quinn's Garden Gem. <laughs> okay. Now stop. So what we're talking about today is rosemary. Oh. Mm-hmm. Rosemary is one of my favorite plants. I, I hope to put it on potatoes. I know. <laughs> but here's the thing. You have, like, un- unless you start looking into rosemary, mm-hmm. you don't realize it's not just versatile for cooking. Again, it's one of those herbs that you can have out in, on a balcony in front of a door because it's a- excellent for protection. It has many uses. In addition to protection, rosemary is excellent for healing it is excellent for purification, love, strength. It's excellent for memory, stress relief, and mental clarity. And it's associated with the sun and the zodiac sign of Leo. But here's the interesting thing. Rosemary That's has... not interesting. I thought all of oh, that was pretty all interesting. All of that was very interesting. <laughs> but it also, it has a very ancient history. Okay. And it also, like, it was used in funerary rites. It was hmm. used in wedding rites. Like, way back. So, just sort of transitional moments? Yeah, transitional moments in life. birth, maybe, even? Um, I don't know about birth, but they definitely used it like it would be... Sprigs of rosemary would be included in a bride's bouquet. Mm -hmm. Rosemary would be tossed into uh, Into a gravesite. So, I found that very interesting. In fact, rosemary is mentioned by Shakespeare in one of his plays. So, I should keep eating it, is what you're saying. Yeah. (laughs) But the great thing about rosemary is that, you know, you can get it as an essential oil. You can use it as an herb that you grow or that you get from the grocery store because you can find sprigs of rosemary. Although, my experience with dried rosemary is that it's super pointy and will stab me in the mouth. So, fresh rosemary is preferable because it's softer at that That stage. very true. Rosemary is also relatively, it's actually pretty easy to care for. You can actually grow it. It is actually a shrub um, that can grow up to five feet. Holy crap, our rosemary is going to get huge someday. Yes. And if you plant it outside and it will, once it gets to a certain level, it will bloom with blue blossoms. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, I've never seen I, our rosemary bloom. That's because we keep it in a pot. Oh. We don't have it. It hasn't grown we got to find enough. some land we can plant it in. I know. 
it doesn't like harsh climates. So in the mm-hmm. winter, you do need to bring your rosemary inside, which is why if you wanted to get right, to shrub not gonna, size, it's not going to work it's, for us it's here. It's not going to work in Michigan. Unfortunate. Um, unless unless you put it in a tub or yeah. something and bring the tub inside. But it does like well-irrigated dirt and right. soil. It does like full sunlight. Okay. So it, it's, it's a good herb to have out in your garden, out on your balcony. And it's just easy. It's an easy plant to work with. Yeah, some of the herbs we have on the balcony are a little finicky, need mm-hmm. to be like in a, in a certain position, need to have mm-hmm. the, the perfect amount of water, mm-hmm. need to be pruned perfectly, but the rosemary has seemed very hardy. It is. Rosemary's very hardy. You can just snip a sprig off of there. Mm-hmm. Like this morning, I brought a sprig of rosemary in from the balcony, rinsed off. I use essential oils and a mixture of a, of a light as organic a pest, dish. As, soap, a pest as a pesticide. Repellent. Yeah. And then, so I just rinse it off, pat it dry, and then all I did was just snip some, you know, into Mm -hmm. small little bits of rosemary into our eggs. And so, you know, not only do you have the benefits of it tastes good because it's good with eggs and chicken and in stew and everything, but also you have the benefit of the magical working Mm -hmm. of protection and love and Health. health. And so it's just, it's a all around excellent herb for any witch to have. And I recommend that everyone has it. Quinn's Garden Gems. <laughs> Beauties. Thanks. <laughs> LGBTQI. Yeah. Yeah, because we, we touched on this a little bit with gender issues and yep. stuff like that. A but. little bit, but not significantly. And I think that's partly because the pagan community, not universally, but in general, is sort of more comfortable space for, for people who are queer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Agreed. So a yeah. lot of queer people find themselves wandering into paganism just because it's more welcoming? Sometimes, yes. Mm-hmm. And then there are times when they're not. Oh, yeah. There are definitely exceptions. And we, we, we really need to be better about this. Yeah. Because I think that... And again, it's just human nature to some extent. But especially with the to trans community. Oh, yeah. We're the trans community you. has gotten oh, the some trans- extremely... Gross, unnecessary bullshit from the pagan community, and yep. I'm mad about it. I, I'm mad about it, too, because I don't understand it. I, I honestly thought of any community that should be and would be accepting, I thought, of the transgender community, I thought surely it would be paganism. And unfortunately, I have been proven wrong. Yeah. We have encountered groups that, especially when I know I went to look at a group that she was involved with previously. That was a goddess-worshipping group. Yeah, so mm-hmm. she went to look and see what they were up to. And they had created a whole separate trans women circle because they were excluding trans women from, from their, their, their regular goddess circle. goddess circle, which is gross bullshit. Yep, exactly. Yeah. Unfortunately, I, I found myself very distressed by that. And so I, I just didn't want to continue having ties with mm-hmm. that group. Yeah. Next thing is classism, poverty and charity. Yeah. Yep. That's, and because in a country as rich as the United States... Which, this can be hard to see when you're living below the poverty line. Even our poor are extremely rich by world standards. By world standards. And in a country as rich as ours, with as much availability as Mm -hmm. we have... We live really in a post-scarcity society. Where where food is literally being thrown away uh, every day. Because it's not pretty enough. Thousands of pounds of food, because it's not pretty enough. Yeah. We well, and our, got, and our government pays yeah, farmers not, not to, to grow, grow food. Yep. Um, we should have no problem with access to clean water. We should have no problem with access to healthy food. And yet we've got 
millions of children and families that are going without food yep. every single day. Yep. And they are having to buy boxed food at the dollar stores mm-hmm. or get, you know, and get food that is just filling but not nutritious or not even filling or not even filling you know and it's it's junk they're getting junk food Mm -hmm. and yeah we have programs like WIC and all that kind of stuff although they're getting defunded all the time defunded all the time and it's hard i we've had to go to food pantries in the past it can be really hard to find the right there was a time when we we had food stamps yes exactly and it can be really hard to find the right food pantry for your district Mm -hmm. or you go to one that's run by a, a Christian organization and you have to sit through a sermon and then prayer and then you have to like renew your dedication to yeah (laughs) and and so it's just very it's harder to get food than it should be is what the problem is what the thing is it's harder to get clean food clean water Mm -hmm. it's ridiculous and it's bad enough you know what we have here in the United States Mm -hmm. and we we have the ability in the United States to feed everybody yes we do and we even have the bones of the infrastructure we need to do it. Right. We just, this is, again, it's we not that we can't, do, we, we just, just choose don't. not to. Right. And it yep. comes down, honestly, it comes down to greed. It comes down to greed mm-hmm. and it comes profit down to margins. profit margins and what, you know, people are wanting to get money and this, mm-hmm. blah, 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 blah. It is ridiculous to me, ridiculous to me that people are going hungry. Bread, that this house may never know hunger. Salt, that life may always have flavor. And wine that joy and prosperity may reign forever. We're delighted to welcome to the show today Bill Ale, who is the director and sort of just one-man show of Pagans in Need, which you will have heard us talk about before because we love it. So we've got a couple of questions here, and we're going to just kick on. Bill, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got involved in PIN? My name is Bill Ale, and I got involved with Pagans in Need about four years ago. I was at Convocation, and the Universal Society of Ancient Ministries, who was running Pagans in Need at the time, was collecting food out in the hotel lobby for their chapter in southeast Michigan. I contacted them via their website and got a response from Gordon Ireland, and he had me fill out this paperwork for an intake form to be a partnering agency. We got to be a part of their organization. I was running all of Pagans in Need between both the Lansing and the Southeast Michigan chapter, being an oversight, making sure things were taken care of. Also became the the secretary of the church and helped them run their day-to-day operations. In November of last year, we decided it was time for Pagans in Need to go off in its own direction. So at a board meeting, I suggested that and I resigned from the Universal Society of Ancient Ministries, and here we are today, having Pagans in Need in Lansing and Southeast Michigan, so that we can make a difference in our community. So what are your dreams for PIN and your plans for it moving forward? I would like to get our 501c3 nonprofit status, that we're a standalone organization. Currently, we're under the 501c3 of Inner Ascended Masters Ministries, which is a community, a spiritual community center here in Lansing. I would like to see more chapters of Pagans in Need in some various cities here in the state, even in the state of Ohio, eventually across the country, but that's time to come. Not going to happen today or tomorrow. Is Pagans in Need a religious organization? How does that affect your work? Pagans in Need is not a religious organization. We do use the word pagan, and we do 
use the the understanding that we're out to help everybody. This both helps and hinders us in a way. It helps us because we don't have any prescribed religious doctrine that we adhere to. Everybody is important. Everybody deserves the right to eat. We just help provide that catalyst so that they have food and a way to get the things they need. It also hinders us because some people see that word pagan and they're they're kind of shocked. It's like, oh, I got to be a pagan. I got to be a witch to get food from there. And that's not the case. Um, I don't care what your religious background is. I just want you to be able to have food that you need to feed yourself and your family so that nobody's going hungry. Tell us a little bit about your path as a pagan. How does your work with PIN fit into it? My path as a pagan, it's been a long one. Been kind of changing quite a bit. Started out solitary, reading books as much as I could find back when I was about 18, 19 years old, 20. Then moved to Big Rapids and went to Ferris State and became a part of a group called Earth Spirit. Practiced eclectically with a bunch of people. Then moved back to Lansing after college was done. Found some friends down here. Joined a coven. That coven dissolved and broke up. We started a new coven. Then another coven off that. we I ran about two covens. Then just kept doing being eclectic and doing just different things that worked for me. Then found Cedar Song ADF, which is a Druid Fellowship here in Lansing. Um, they're a full-fledged grove. And I joined them and really enjoyed the sense of community. The way they did ritual was kind of freaky at first, but got to learn how it worked and what was why it was done that way, and it made sense to me. And we have seven virtues that we go by. Courage, perseverance, integrity, vision, wisdom, moderation, hospitality, fertility, and piety. Well, they all work really well with PIN, but the biggest one is hospitality and moderation and vision because hospitality is about sharing what you have and making people feel comfortable and welcome. Moderation is knowing when enough's enough. And the vision is to just so we can see where we need to go and what we need to do to make the community better. I find that it works really well with Penn. I've had a Druid, another member of the Druid Grove on the board for a while, but due to circumstances needed to step off, which is understandable because I have a rule with the pantry that family comes first. That's most important. And if you, you're you not taking care of yourself, how can you help others? I just find that working my pagan path and doing the things that I need to do to make my my community better fits in with the pantry really well. I know that PIN has community gardens, so talk to us a little bit about that and PIN's other sustainability initiatives. Community gardens. A couple of years ago, when I moved the pantry to its current location at Inner Ascended Masters Ministries, we um, decided to start a community garden. The first year was a very small garden that basically I ran, and with my life being crazy, it didn't get the attention and care that it needed. We did get some food out of it to help people, but it just was a slump. So then the following year, we went to the Garden Project, which is part of the Greater Lansing Food Bank here in Lansing. And worked with them, went through some training classes and stuff, and grew our garden to 2,700 square feet, 
with 18 plantable plots. That year, the, the pantry had four plots. We produced tomatoes and some green beans and carrots and radishes and squash and onions. And we had a decent, bountiful harvest. This year, because I knew I was going to be quite busy again this summer, I didn't put any garden space in. We do still have the community garden. And now next year, my plan is to do a bunch of heirloom seeds and have an heirloom garden where nothing is been modified genetically or anything like that we keep using the seeds over and over again and we have a a sustainability with that some other sustainability initiatives we're working on a pin is we'd like the property that we're on has about seven acres and we'd like to put in some trees that fruit bear fruit so that we can have apples and pears and peaches and cherries and things like that to help feed our people fresh is the best it's got the better nutrients for you it's not been cooked out it's right there the problem is it's a seasonal thing when it, after the season's done you're pretty much done unless you find ways to preserve it there i've looked into some other sustainability initiatives but don't really ha- haven't had time to dig deep into them and i'm always open to new suggestions we also do for our community garden have a rain barrel collection so we collect our own water and try to get that under the garden so that we're not using the city water and costing us more money. Um, this year we purchased a pump to pressurize that so that we can actually use it through a sprinkler system. That all sounds really great. But what does the procedure look like for someone coming into the pantry for the first time? Walk us through the experience. When you first come to a pantry date, the way it works is you come in and you bring a form of valid ID. I take the information off from that, such as name, address, date of birth, and then I ask for a telephone number. Telephone number is used for, in case something is put on recall, we can give you a call and say, hey, did you happen to take this from Food Pantry this week? If you did, please dispose of it if you haven't used it because it's been recalled. The safety catch. Then we ask how many people are in your household, and then there's a series of questions we ask. The series of questions ask if you receive food stamps, if you've used any other food pantries, if you're disabled or on disability or unemployment, if the children receive free or reduced lunches at school, if you receive WIC, and then if anybody in the house that's of age is unemployed. All that data is turned into numerical data of ones and zeros, so we just have a conglomerate at the end of the page. So we can give statistics when we apply for federal grants and things like that and other monies to come towards us. Then, depending on the size of your family, you're given a card that has choices on it. It's 100% a client choice pantry. So if you don't like lima beans, you don't have to take them. If you have a dietary restriction where you don't eat pork, you don't get it, you don't have to take it. If you don't eat carbs, you suffer from celiac disease, there's just a whole host of things, or you're allergic to something that you know you can't have, it makes it where you're choosing what you need. Then you go through and set up like a grocery store and you pick your items and put them on a table. At the end, we take the card, whoever's working that pantry that day, looks at the card and looks at the items that you have pulled, matches up to make sure you haven't taken more than you're allotted. Then we take grocery bags from people that support the pantry. I know at my house, we use paper bags from the local grocery store. When we get a bunch of them, we take them over there so that we have them for people to use to take their groceries home. We don't put it in a cardboard box because it just doesn't seem dignified. We put them in a bag so it looks like you went to the grocery store. The bags may say the name of the store on the side of it, but 
doesn't matter. It, the food that's in it is what matters, not what the name of the bag is. But it gives you a sense of pride and dignity so that does, you don't feel like you've went to a food pantry. We do have personal care items, then we usually limit those one to two per person. The Lansing chapter works with an organization called Helping Women, period. So we get feminine products so that we have those on hand. And I have people take at least a month's worth so that they have some to get through this through their cycle. And if they need a little extra, take a little extra so that they have them. We also provide shampoo and conditioner and body wash and laundry soap on occasion, dish soap, toilet paper. The rules with the toilet paper is every bum in the house gets one roll of toilet paper. We do have pet food available if needed. And then we have this cool shelf in the pantry. It's called the close date shelf. Because once things go on a date, we're not allowed to give them out. So what we do is if it's close date, we put it on that shelf and it doesn't count towards your totals. So let's say we got some mac and cheese that's going to go out within the month. I put them on that shelf, and if you want mac and cheese, limited to the amount of combination food you get, but you know you're going to need mac and cheese, you take what's on the close date shelf, it doesn't count towards your totals, and then you can go get other things out of the combination area. It makes it where we have a great experience for the clients. We don't want them to feel embarrassed or anything like that. We want them to have be able to hold their head up high and make it where we can respect them as an individual. Honestly, it sounds like a really great experience. Well, thanks, Bill, for coming on the podcast and talking to me and telling us about PIN. We were delighted to have you. Just thanks for all that you do. I thank you guys for allowing me to have this time on your podcast to explain what the pantry is and what we're doing and what we're trying to work towards and look forward to serving the community in any way that we can. Thank you again and have a wonderful day. That's one of the things that I appreciate so much about Bill and about pagans in need Mm -hmm. is that their philosophy is just people need food. May you never hunger. May May you you never never thirst. thirst. People need food. They know what kind of food they need. Mm -hmm. They should be allowed to come in and get that food and, and go home. And go home <laughs> yeah. without being preached at, without having to uh, jump through a million hoops. Mm-hmm. And it, uh, I, I love that philosophy. And I also love that they um, are also starting community gardens yep. to help people right. learn how to grow their own food. So that's pretty much it for this episode, except for the one thing I forgot. What was that? Oats! Stone! Corner! That was loud. Yeah. <laughs> It's a wrestling announcer. I, know, I have to I be loud. It was a good one. It was just loud. All right. <laughs> Wait a second. Oh, it's No, it doesn't have the same. It doesn't yeah, have the yeah, same. Yeah. Not resonant. No, yeah. Not, yeah, yeah. Yep. I have to be loud for that. Sorry. <laughs> so today we're going to be talking about Epidot, which, yeah, which the face car is making right now is, that's not a rock. <laughs> um, but it is. It is a rock. So Epidot is actually a calcium, aluminum, iron, sorosilicate mineral. Which I know sounds like a lot of nonsense. Can you say that three times fast? Calcium, aluminum, iron, source, silicate mineral. Calcium, aluminum, iron, source. What that means is that it's a, a rock-forming mineral that's composed of those elements, calcium, aluminum, and iron, in various configurations. It's in the same sort of family, sorosilicates, as, as zeaxite, which people are slightly more familiar with. What a sorosilicate is, is just a, a mineral that has a silicon oxygen tetrahedron anion combination of a two to seven ratio. <laughs> That's some science for you. Enjoy okay. that. Um, 
quartz and feldspar are in uh, the uh, tectosilicate family, so they have like a 3D crystal framing. Never mind. You don't care. Um, <laughs> no, I care. I'm just... <laughs> like, what? I'm enthralled, actually. Epidot is uh, characterized by a yellow-green to middle-green color, although it can come in gray, brown, and a near black, depending on how much iron is present in the mineral. That makes sense. It has pretty strong striations, a relatively wide range of diaphanity, which is um, how translucent it is. So, okay. So in its crystalline form, epidot can range from between completely transparent to nearly opaque. Interesting. Okay. Um, and it's prismatic, although you wouldn't tell from the epidot you mostly see. You mostly see tumbled epidote, which is almost always of the, the near opaque variety. It's got sort of a mossy or a grassy uh, appearance, and it's usually in the, the middle to pistachio green range in okay. color. So it's, I mean, it's a fairly recognizable stone uh, when it's tumbled, but in its crystalline form, it, it creates these extremely long crystal faces. Um, and two faces typically will be stronger than, and longer than the other two, okay. which is why it's named epidote that derives from the Greek word epidodoni, which means give additionally or increase. Oh, okay. So I associate epidote with generosity and with improvement or addition. Okay. Growing up things. Uh, it's got a kind of an earthy feeling. It's not grounding, actually. Or at least I don't experience it as grounding. But it is settling and uplifting at the same time. This is hard to describe. It's like Epidote will get you established. It'll create like a firm foundation for you. But that firm foundation will be higher up than you are used to being. So okay. it'll, it'll almost build scaffolding. It'll be very... Like so, growth. Yeah, exactly. Right, growth. It it, so it's it's not grounding in the same way that like a bloodstone is sometimes grounding. Right, where you feel very connected to the earth. Epidote is going to settle and establish you, but also prioritize the improvement of of your situation. So it would be a good stone to have if you're working on something. That requires forward movement because you then don't get that one step forward, two steps back. Exactly. You get a step forward step and forward, you stop and then you get forward, a step forward and then yeah. step forward. That's there's no, cool. there's there's very little plateauing with Epidote. Right. So Epidote has what I call an uptone. It's not uh, like a high, what's, what's typically referred to as a high vibration, but it is optimistic, I guess. It's not... Epidote isn't going to tell you to pick yourself up by your bootstraps, but it will probably mom you. Hmm. Epidote will tell you that... You a mom stone. Yeah, Epidote will tell you <laughs> that... No, you, you are a mom. <laughs> um, but Epidote will tell you that you you can be the best you can be, like, and it's got to help you get there. Like, it's just a very, like, optimistic, cheery, but, like, it's also not going to coddle you. Epidote is not going to let you sort of wallow in your misery. It's just going to tell you, okay... That's enough now. Get going. This should be the stone of the U.S. Army. <laughs> right? Yeah, probably. Right, yeah. So, anyway. So, Epidote is traditionally used to boost, enhance, or elevate other energies. That's its that, that's its use in most, like, mineralogy and crystal mm -hmm. purposes. Okay. Uh, so, it's very much a team player. If you have a lot of energy going on at the same time, Epidote can be brought in to mom all the other energies. Oh, Okay. 
mm-hmm. uh, to, to, to get everybody sort of on the same wavelength, make sure everybody's working together, make sure that people aren't at cross purposes. Also, in my experience, Epidote has a very I give so that you may give ethos. Epidote wants to improve your life, but it doesn't want to do that just for you. It wants you to spread that wealth to others, and you may eventually get an instruction from Epidote to pass it on. Okay. Very cool. Yeah. Would you then get another Epidote? I would, yeah. Okay. I would I would go I would then go get another Epidote. It just it means that someone? Yeah, exactly. But it but it would mean that this Epidote, this mom, was right. ready to go mom someone else. Gotcha. Very cool. Thank you very much for Odes Stone Corner Was that better? Yeah, you went you, you suppressed it a little bit. Right, I suppressed <laughs> the, the volume but tried to keep the energy up. So that's it for this episode. Mm-hmm. Thank you guys so much for listening through all of our madness. Thank uh-huh. you, Bill, for being here for the interview. Mm-hmm. Yep. Support your local pagan uh, everything. Yeah, yeah, your local Do pagan store, research. your local pagan activism communities. Yep. They probably exist. Mm-hmm. They may be small. They might have secret Facebook groups that you have to ask to join. Exactly. Just bite the bullet yep. and ask to join them. Yep. Yeah, and, and do some research. Find out, you know, what's going on in your area. What are mm-hmm. you passionate about? And then take a, take a chance. <laughs> a, a, piece of ad- a piece of advice that we were given at Michigan Pagan Fest by no. Teethorn oh, Coyle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, right, right, right. Was pick was... pick one thing. Right. Yeah. Pick there's two, there's a lot happening in the world all the time, and you can't do everything. No. Pick one thing to be passionate about. Make that that piece of activism your focus, and let everything else assume your your neighbors are taking care of it. Yep. That makes I think sense. That's a good call. Yeah, yeah. I think mm-hmm. you can be overwhelmed by mm-hmm. everything. And, and then you burn out. And when you burn out, you're not helping anybody. Exactly. So find your one passion mm-hmm. and then reach out. Yep. So you can find us on 3pagansandacat.com. That's the number 3, mm-hmm. pagansandacat.com. Mm-hmm. You can also find us on Facebook at 3pack. You 3-P-A-A-C. Can, yes, 3-P-A-A-C, because and A. <laughs> you can also find us on Twitter, which is... 3... Underscore... Pagans. Pagans. Thank you. I knew I was going to do it wrong, because uh-huh. I was like, hesitation? <laughs> the Discord server, yep. which uh, thank you very much to Akaneko yep. for hanging out with yeah. us today. We've enjoyed having you here. Yep, we've enjoyed having you here, being a part of this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's it. Yeah, I think that's it. Oh, we got to remember to tell people, if you want to support us on Patreon... Oh, yeah, we have one of those, too. You can get to that on the website. You can join the Pride and... You can have your name uh, read out loud. Have your name read out loud. Or there are various uh, levels levels, uh, where you get different... Like our uh, Right. Yeah, and you get different perks, I guess, yeah. for being rewards, rewards yep. for the level you choose. Some of them are cool. Some of them are pretty <laughs> cool, I think. And yeah. I um, mean, personally, I like the Hunter tier where you just get to join us in the Discord. That's right. Yeah. We like that. And uh, But anyway, yeah, so go to 3 com to find the Patreon. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh, and the shop. Oh, yeah, we have one of those, too. We have a red bubble yep. <laughs> where you can buy shirts with our logo on and it. And other stuff. <laughs> Lots of stuff. Yep. Mugs. Phone cases, yeah, notebooks, yep. yeah, whatever. So all that, and not just three pagans and a cat logo. It's also oh yeah, their art. Yeah. And yeah, there's so also it. some photos and art and stuff that I've done just yep. because yeah. we might as well sew those. So just go check it out. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, so there's all that other stuff, too. Are we done now? <laughs> yeah, I, I think, think so. so. Okay, we're good? I think so. All right, good. Did you mm-hmm. all come up with, like, some kind of ending song no, or anything? No, no. That has to be organic. Yeah, and we'll we know. We can have you ask. We'll, we'll just we'll, do we'll it know someday. when it comes. We'll know when it happens. All right. So you'll never, you'll never you'll see never it coming. You'll never see it coming. It'll just happen. It'll be a dread secret. It will be. It'll be It'll awesome. be one of those things we never talk about That's out right. loud because you would know. And you'll cringe. <laughs> and you'll love it at the same time. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> You've been listening to Three Pagans and a Cat. Find out more information at www.threepagansandacat.com.